Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Hello and a very warm welcome to another episode of the Liz Our Wellbeing Show. Now, regular listeners of the show may remember today's guest, from a Friday Five podcast I recorded towards the end of last year. He's a certified cardiologist and lawyer who has written six books on health and nutrition, but is perhaps best known for his passion for vitamin C, something he has dived into in great detail in his fascinating book, Primal Panacea. I'm talking, of course, about Dr. Thomas Levy. And I'm very well aware that immunity is still much front of mind for so many of us. And I'm pleased to say that Dr. Levy and I have just had the most fascinating chat about how vitamin C can help here as well as a closer look at vitamin D and the lesser known glutathione. Do you know, Dr. Levy really is a fount of knowledge, sometimes controversial when it comes to cutting edge nutrition. And so I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on all this and more over on Instagram after the show. And do pay attention right at the end because he's got some surprising information about other nutrients as well to keep us safe and well. So without further ado, let's start the show. So welcome, Dr. Levy. It's so nice to talk to you again. You hopped onto my mini podcast uh, towards the end of last year. So it's great that you're back for a longer version, more in-depth of the chat. Thank you. Very good. Happy to be here, Liz. Hope we can pass along some good information. Yeah, well, I'm sure you can because the, the, our initial chat was completely fascinating. And you are speaking to us from sunny Miami, is that right? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> so you're full of vitamin D anyway. <laughs> yeah, the, some people say I'm full of it. But I guess it's, I hope it's just vitamin D. <laughs> so let's let's talk about vitamin C because this is just such a fascinating nutrient. I think it's one that so many people think, oh, we know about it. You know, we have a glass of orange juice, you know, vitamin C. There's there's not much else to say. Talk us through why it's so important and you know why it's really been your life's work, or so such a large part of it anyway. Well, as it turns out. Vitamin C is not only a vitamin, it's a nutrient. And as such, it's needed in vastly larger amounts than you get in your food. And of course, that might beg the question, well, how natural is it that you can't get enough of something that you need eating a high-quality diet? Mm -hmm. And the answer is we share a genetic defect, okay? And that genetic defect is the last enzyme in a four enzyme sequence in the liver that's designed to convert glucose in your body into vitamin C and not only to make grams of it a day and inject it directly into your blood, but to give 
and generate many grams if you're ill or stressed. And we, we have good proof of this. This is not just a supposition because nearly all the animals in the wild uh, make anywhere, depending on their body size, from a, a couple grams to eight or nine or 10 grams a day of vitamin C. That's eight or nine or 10,000 milligrams. And not only is that produced naturally, think of this, it's directly secreted into the blood. So there's no absorption problems. I mean, it would take probably uh, 20, 30 grams of regular oral supplementation to get eight or nine or 10 grams into your blood eventually, unless you took it intravenously. That's extraordinary. So, so, so all, all mammals then, apart from humans, are, are making this nutrient? Uh, except for uh, primates, guinea pigs, and fruit bats. Right. <laughs> all the rest of them. Interesting thing about the guinea pigs is we all know the guinea pig is a very popular, if you will, uh, experimental animal for different studies, and toxins, infections. Well, it's precisely the fact that the guinea pig doesn't make any vitamin C either that makes it so easy to make the guinea pig sick or toxic and then see what the effect is of the nutrient or drug that you're using on it. Oh my uh, there's a lot of work done with mice and other rodents, but they're not as consistently reliable because they make a lot of vitamin C and they can really skew, if you will, the response to studying a certain insult. So we start with that premise. Vitamin C is not only essential, it's your primary nutrient. And because of this genetic circumstance, uh, we're chronically deficient in it. The thing is, is when the whole population shares a genetic defect, it generally doesn't get appreciated because everybody's in the same boat. And mm -hmm. so everybody thinks, well, it's natural to get sick or need prescription medicines when you're 30, 35, 40, 45. Unfortunately, most adults and many physicians, most uh, uh, adult individuals and many physicians think good health is feeling perfectly well on your three or four prescription drugs. But that's not good health, okay? Mm -hmm. So uh, now inside the cells, this is where vitamin C comes into play. Vitamin C is the primary donor of electrons to all the machinizations inside your cells. And it's really electron flow that determines health. When you take electrons away from a molecule, you oxidize it. And this is what toxins do. Uh, we all talk about toxins these days, how bad they are. They're all bad because they result in oxidative damage. And when a biomolecule, RNA, DNA, lipid, sugar, etc., enzyme, loses electrons, it either partially or completely loses its function. So when you oxidize a biomolecule, it no longer works. It no longer does what it's supposed to do. So that's why antioxidants are so important and, and absolutely correct. being an antioxidant because it's mopping up all these spare electrons. It's not only quenching the toxins, it's also resupplying electrons to the previously oxidized biomolecules. Mm -hmm. And as such, it sounds a cute thing to say, but it's literally true. And that is vitamin C is literally the fuel of the body. It supplies the electrons. Now, don't get me wrong, all, oxidant, all antioxidants supply electrons, but it's the unique characteristics of vitamin C. It's a very tiny molecule. 
It's got a structure similar to glucose. Remember I said it's converted from glucose in the liver to vitamin C, so it's very similar to glucose. It uses all the glucose transporters to get inside the cell like glucose, so it has access to all the cells of the body because all your cells need glucose and all your cells need vitamin C, so it uses those common transporters. It donates two electrons per molecule, which makes it essentially twice as potent as most other antioxidants. And all of these things together is what makes you vitamin C so uniquely uh, suited for the job that it does. And it's only shortfall, shortcoming is supply. Right. Now, just to backtrack a moment, saying that we as humans lost the genetic capacity to manufacture our own vitamin C. Would, playing devil's advocate, would some people say, well, we've just learned to adapt, you know, I mean, we've made, lost lots of things and, you know, we now walk on two legs or whatever. So, you know, that there is that process of adaptation and change. Well, and haven't we just learned to do without it? Learning to adapt doesn't mean compensation. I mean, if you lose a leg, you learn to hop along, but that doesn't <laughs> ever bring you back to a normal walking status. So no I, would, I would say that's, that's not a very good argument to say, uh, that uh, Now, some people will argue, uh, yes, we do make compensations, okay, and, you know, uh, and also, too, I made a blanket generalization, and let me back it up a little bit. I should say virtually all people have this genetic defect, but not 100%. Mm. Uh, we have had studies in the past that have looked at uh, a handful of young individuals, for example, deliberately put them on a deficient vitamin C intake because they wanted to do induced scurvy. They wanted to see what it took to induce a severe vitamin C deficiency. And so they followed these individuals on their severe vitamin C depletion for several months. And this is interesting. It was only six individuals they did this in. And after four months went by, four of the individuals completely uh, no longer spilled vitamin C in their urine. So there was evident there was no more vitamin C of significant amount in their body and they couldn't spill any more in the unit, urine. But two of the other individuals were still spilling normal amounts of urine in the, in, in the uh, normal amounts of vitamin C in the urine. Uh, and of course, you wouldn't reach a percentage conclusion from that, but at least with six individuals, that was 33% of that tiny group Mm. that actually made their own vitamin C. So I can't say this for a fact, but I can tell you it's likely when we all have that grandfather or grandmother that uh, is uh, 95 years old and they're feeling great and maybe it's grandpa and he still smokes two or three cigars a day and this, that, and the <laughs> other, what's going on? Yeah. And I would tell you, I would, I would bet my bottom dollar that they fall into the vitamin C making group. So in many ways, not exclusively of course, but in many ways this accounts for the unexpectedly good health that some people just seem to be blessed with no matter what they do. That's so fascinating. Now how, this, this is completely fascinating and, and compelling, but how did you as a cardiologist, which was your medical background, is that right? How, how did you come to just almost switch so much into specializing and looking at vitamin C? Well, you know, serendipity and destiny, you know, <laughs> I, I, I must say, uh, and I won't make too much of a sidebar here or a sidetrack because I know what we're talking about, but I think, I think we all have a destiny 
and it's like floating down a river, all right? You can paddle a little right, paddle a little bit left, but ultimately you're still going to get to the bottom of that river. So you can affect your destiny a bit, but you can't control it. And in my case, uh, 25 years ago, uh, I had uh, some troubles with some fellow cardiologists at a hospital that I was working at, and I was so disgusted with it, I quit practice at, at the hospital. And that cut my practice down by over 50%, but I was still going to do that. I wasn't going to put up with it. So I went from a large workload to a lighter workload. And in that same time period, I met Dr. Hal Huggins in Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, the first anti-mercury integrative dentist in the world. And he had a clinic where he was treating everything under the sun. And his treatment was a total dental revision where he took out all the infected teeth and mercury, put them on a quality diet and put them on supplements. And he said, well, come on over and take a look at my, uh, my work, Tom. And so I did. And in this one particular case, I saw many, many sick people get better from things they weren't supposed to get better. And that's another story. But I saw this one elderly lady. She was, had a neurologic disease. She had spent like two or three hours getting extractions and all sort of extensive dental work, the type that would put a college student to bed for a week, you know, take out his wisdom teeth, he's wiped out. Well, at the end of three hours, this little old lady was energetic. He was telling her, telling her care, caregiver, let's go out and get something to eat. And, blah, blah. and something just didn't, didn't mesh, didn't make sense. And I said, Hal, what's going on here? And he pointed at the IV. I said, okay, Hal, she's getting an IV. So what? He said, well, it's what's in it that counts. I said, okay, I'll bite what's in the IV. And he said, 50 grams of vitamin C. 50. Wow. And I said, 50 grams of vitamin C. I, first of all, I'd never heard of vitamin C as a therapy in any way at the time. And in fact, if you look at the medical textbooks that are many thousands of pages long, they don't mention anything of the phenomenal things that vitamin C does. But I'm not in the habit of denying what I personally witnessed. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I saw that, it was at that moment. 25 years ago that I said, well, something's going on here. You need to figure it out. You need to learn as much about it as possible. And that began all my research into vitamin C. Mm. So is the reason that that was having such a spectacular result because it was intravenous and we could never hope to achieve that through supplementation at home? No, you can achieve it through supplementation at home, but not as quickly and dramatically. Okay. Um, uh, well, something I think we'll talk about later on, they have some liposome encapsulated forms of vitamin C that if you take orally, mm. actually get inside the cells even better than an equivalent dose of intravenous because really? of the how, way how it transports glucose inside the cell. The liposome transports the, uh, uh, the uh, vitamin C inside the cell and most importantly, without consuming energy. When you take it intravenously and it's not inside a liposome, you need to utilize active transport mechanisms that consume energy to get it inside the cell. So as the old expression goes, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. You're right. using up energy to get a source of energy to a different location. But yeah. the liposome bypasses that completely and without consuming energy, gets your high energy impact vitamin C inside the cell. So, uh, 
Now, I'm not putting down IV. Good grief, no. I mean, IV is phenomenal, and there's a bunch of things it does that other forms of vitamin C don't do. I have something I call my multi-C protocol, where if you're really ill and you're not getting what you consider to be or your physician considers to be your optimal clinical response to a vitamin C regimen, it's almost always because, A, you're not taking enough, and B, you're not taking enough of the different forms of it. Now, obviously, there's a lot of other things that can help. I'm not here to say take vitamin C and nothing else. Of course not. But especially when it comes to infections or acute toxin exposures, Mm. there's nothing better than getting as much vitamin C on board as quickly as possible. That is so interesting. And I'd love to explore the different mechanisms there of using vitamin C. So intravenous, I understand that's when you get hooked up to a drip, it's in a, in a clinical setting and you know it's administered by a medic and, and it goes straight into the, in, into the body. I can understand that. Taking vitamin C supplements, I can understand that. The tablets, the, the chewables, the you know capsules, whatever, they're going into the gut and, and being absorbed. Talk to me about liposomes, because I only really know liposomes through skincare when they were used as this delivery system of getting ingredients potentially through the skin, although that is certainly debated. What happens, what is a liposome and what happens when you swallow it? Well, I'll I'll give you some information on the skin in a moment too, but let me first talk about the liposome. The liposome was designed back in the 1960s, designed by researchers who wanted to create something that emulated an artificial cell, okay? And, and, And in fact, a liposome is a spherical nano-sized sphere that has the same what's called lipid bilayer membrane around it, identical to the lipid, my, my, lipid bilayer membrane that surrounds the natural cells of your body. Uh, we need to go into technical detail. So you have something that's, uh, if you will, fat compatible on the outside and water soluble compatible on the inside. So you literally encapsulate something water soluble like vitamin C, but many other things have been encapsulated. And then when you take this tiny nano sized sphere, it's quickly absorbed virtually hundred percent and then gets into your lymph. And then what's not taken up by the immune cells in the lymph, the lymph then goes to the thoracic duct and goes into your bloodstream and then it's free to get inside all the different cells in the body. Now, the reason why it doesn't use energy to deposit the vitamin C or other payload inside the cell is that it's so tiny, one way it gets in is to go through the natural pores that are in the cell, okay? Your cell is not just a hard wall. Mm -hmm. And the other way is by what's called reverse pinocytosis. Remember, it has the same membrane as the cell membrane. So it goes up to the cell membrane, merges into it, and deposits its content inside. And for the liposomes that go in through the pores, rather than through reverse pinocytosis, that liposome encapsulated vitamin C is then free to go inside the mitochondria, the endoplasmic reticula, and the other intracellular organelles by the same reverse pinocytosis process because they have the same membrane as the outer wall of the cell. So, and with regard to the skin, this is particularly why the skin forms really work well. Uh, I was uh, 
I am with Live On Labs, who is the parent company to Altriant that, that distributes uh, liposomes in the UK. And probably some 13 or 14 years ago, uh, I was on a rare, a rare Caribbean vacation with a few of my friends, four of us, and we're all stupid. And we pretty much realized after a few hours that we're all ruby red and hurting like crazy. Oh, no. And I had just gotten my, lipos my last liposomes from, from Live On. And at that time, I wasn't thinking about the liposome absorption. I just said, well, let's get some vitamin C inside our bodies as soon as possible. So I went up to my hotel room and I came back. And literally on my way back, I said, what am I talking about taking it orally? These are liposomes. These will put these will put vitamin C directly inside the burned cells. And sure enough, four of us with ruby red skin, we took the liposome, the same packet that you have with the Altria, and smeared it over the burned skin. And we all had 100% pain relief in less than an hour, permanent. My goodness. And the next morning, none of the skin was red anymore. So we literally saved the burned cells by putting the vitamin C in. And that's a similar mechanism why you have such a profound anti-aging effect uh, of mm -hmm. the liposome encapsulated C uh, taken orally, but also especially uh, in, uh, in a, uh, taken uh, topically as well. That's really fascinating. I mean, presumably that kind of information would be really useful for burn clinics. I mean, is that something that they would be looking at now? Absolutely. I mean, a, a severe burn, you obviously have lost your skin, but, but yeah. you still want to get vitamin C in the extracellular fluid and located on top of the burn site as much as possible. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, insulin is a very profound accelerator of healing, uh, which should be used, but it's not on wound clinics around the world and on burn patients because insulin profoundly accelerates vitamin C uptake inside the cell. So uh, just like it accelerates glucose uptake, it accelerates vitamin C uptake. So when you use it together, probably in the form of a little spritzer or a spray, you can rapidly get healing that you oftentimes don't realize otherwise using whatever mm. method you have. That's so interesting. So this liposomal technology that we're seeing now in the supplementation world, does it, uh, can it, you put anything in, in a liposome? I mean, should we be looking for all our nutrients packaged in liposomes so they go straight through the cells and, and kind of bypass the digestive system? In general, that would be a good goal. However, you have to remember too that uh, I'm talking about encapsulating something that will then directly put it in the cell. There might be some things you don't want to put directly inside the cell. So sure. you first need to determine that what you're encapsulating is something that is appropriate to put inside the cell at high concentrations. Mm -hmm. But within that parameter, no, I mean, um, you know, Altrian and Livon, they've encapsulated B vitamins mm -hmm. and magnesium. Very, very important because magnesium is very difficult to, uh, get optimal amounts from your diet and from your absorption for a number of reasons beyond what we can discuss here mm. and getting a quality liposome encapsulated form of magnesium in in my opinion is the best way to take magnesium unless you have the opportunity to do an IV. 
Mm, interesting. And what about things like glutathione, which is also such a big antioxidant? Has, Especially had... good for glutathione. The reason why you take regular glutathione, they have oral supplements, glutathione. Glutathione is a tripeptide, three amino acids connected together. Uh, when you take that orally, uh, some of it is immediately broken down into the stomach, into the amino acids. Whatever makes its way into the blood is broken down to the individual amino acids. And when you take glutathione intravenously, it's first broken down into the individual amino acids. It's never just taken up whole by the cell. So when you take liposome encapsulated glutathione, you get the intact glutathione directly inside the cell without consuming energy, which is really important with glutathione because of the fact that it's three amino acids. You have three separate energy consuming pathways to get those three amino acids inside the cell. And once they're inside the cell, you need two different ATP dependent enzymes to bring the amino acids synthesized back into glutathione. So literally when you take uh, even intravenous glutathione, which is shown to be quite good, I'm not, I'm not saying it's of no value, but you need to consume energy five separate times to get the whole glutathione molecule inside the cell. Most glutathione is synthesized inside the cell. And when you're taking a regular glutathione supplement, all you're doing is really ultimately supplying the three amino acid, the individual amino acid precursors, which yeah. by whatever mechanism get taken up and then get resynthesized. But just like with the vitamin C, the less energy you can consume mm. getting an energy bearing substance to a location where you want it, the more powerful clinical impact you're going to have. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O- L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. So does that mean then that we would take a lower dose of a liposomal vitamin C compared to what we would have to take as a normal conventional vitamin C supplement? Excellent question. And the answer is absolutely yes. Uh, now, some people, they want studies, this out of the other, double-blind placebo control. I'm just going to give you my clinical experience, okay? I'm not going to give you an article to go to in the literature. But because of what I just said, when I first became involved with Live On almost 15 years ago, um, they knew I wrote about vitamin C, so they wanted me to be a spokesman for the company. And yeah, I said, well, whatever. And they described their product. And I said, oh, I had no idea what a liposome was. Okay. Nice. <laughs> I had no idea. And so they said, well, we'll send you some. I said, okay, fine. Send me some. They sent me a, a carton of it. And I just sort of threw it in the corner and went about my business. And then as fate has it, I had just closed my clinic in Colorado Springs and I got a horrible case of the flu. 
and I was sick as a dog, and I had taken all of my regular I vitamin C, sodium ascorbate powder, until I just had overwhelming diarrhea, so I couldn't take any more by <laughs> mouth. And yeah. then I remembered one thing they told me. What they told me was, and I again, I didn't understand why. They said, this doesn't have the bowel effect. This doesn't cause diarrhea. So I said, well, maybe I can take some of this, and I can get mm -hmm. my levels a little higher up and get on top of this. So I took five packets, that was five grams of liposome encapsulated. And mind you, I had taken many, many, many infusions of vitamin C for good health and this out of the other. So I'd taken many 50 gram infusions on my own at my clinic for good health. Goodness. And, and for when I was sick. Well, I took these five packets and I felt better in an hour than I'd ever felt after a 50 gram infusion. <laughs> and I said, yeah. Whoa, what, what's going on here? Yeah. And it so confused me that I did the only logical thing that a intelligent doctor does. I ignored it. <laughs> I said, this just can't be true. I experienced it, but it can't be true. A coincidence. Yeah. So I had to go through this cycle at least one more time with myself and a couple of times with some friends until I said, son of a gun. Yeah. Well, Dr. Idiot, Dr. Levy, I think it's about time you learn what the heck a liposome is. Mm -hmm. and so I began my research into liposomes, formed an affiliation with LiveOn and ultimately Altriant. And, and I've seen that pattern over and over and over again, not just with acute infectious diseases, but I've seen so many different conditions either substantially ameliorated or even, depending on the condition, completely resolved with quote unquote doses of vitamin C much lower than what you take intravenously. So again, I would say taking one gram of liposome encapsulated vitamin C is easily equivalent to taking eight, nine or 10 grams of regular vitamin C orally oh because goodness. of the absorption and because yeah. of its ability to get it inside the cell. So when you're sick with a significant disease, taking like two grams in a day on a regular day, it's enormous. And if you have an acute infectious disease, most of the time you're gonna get out of harm's way and start resolving that infection on three or four or five grams of the liposome encapsulated vitamin C orally, daily, considering an infection or something like that. Now, let me say this, what, like what I just said about different forms of vitamin C. If you have the availability of different forms, use them all. Okay, so really, so so that there's still a point in having the the tablets that you chew and that go through the digestive tract. Absolutely. What one thing I've I've learned fairly recently, as a matter of fact, I knew clinically it was true, but I didn't have a good reason. Well, liposome encapsulated vitamin C goes inside the cell, and if there's pathogens inside the cell. Vitamin C goes inside the pathogens. And by something called the Fenton reaction, the vitamin C takes ferric iron, turns it into ferrous iron, iron, and then that ferrous iron contributes its electron to hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide breaks down to hydroxyl radical. This is called the Fenton reaction. And that hydroxyl radical is the single most potent oxidizing agent on the planet. It immediately oxidizes whatever it's adjacent to. And that, that translates to pathogen death if you get enough of it up there. Mm. So 
It turns out that vitamin C does this, uh, but it also turns out that when you take large amounts of vitamin C intravenously so that you flood the extracellular space around the cells, this presence of vitamin C by mechanisms I'm not aware of, or, or I don't know, this a large amount of vitamin C increases and results in the production of much more hydrogen peroxide. So the vitamin C is converting the peroxide inside the cell into killer hydroxyl radical. And at the same time, outside the cell, it's producing a whole lot more hydrogen peroxide to diffuse inside the cell, giving more, uh, more ammunition to the gun, if you will, until the infection uh, in the pathogen has been killed. Mm -hmm. So they, they work together very well. So this, this again, is so your strong argument for taking, if it's available, yeah. liposome encapsulated plus intravenous. I mean, if you have the availability, why stay sick longer than you have to? Yeah, no, I, 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 I see that point. But what about taking just normal supplements that we can buy off the shelf? You know, the normal tablets and capsules. Is, is well, there a place for those? Sure. I mean, regular forms of vitamin C, both as powder, pills, and capsules, has been ameliorating and resolving infections and conditions for 80 years. Okay, these liposomes and uh, the last uh, 10 years, intravenous probably over the last 40 years, but a very good way to approach any acute infection uh, is, uh, if you, is, is to get the oral vitamin C and then just take a couple grams every hour, a couple mm -hmm. grams every hour, a couple grams so every how, hour. How does that work differently then from the liposomal one? Well, it ultimately gets more vitamin C where you want it to go. It just does it less efficiently than the, than the liposomes. Mm. Uh, the liposomes, because of their nature, I mean, you could take it multiple times a day, but if you take a substantial dose of the liposome encapsulated form, it gets it inside the cell. It doesn't put it into the blood. Mm. When you put it into the blood, only a lot of it gets excreted in the urine. Yes. When you have the liposome that just takes it on into the cell, it effectively, not technically, but effectively makes it a long-acting form of vitamin C because the vitamin C, if you will, gets trapped inside the cell and isn't circulating in the blood, free to be excreted in the urine. So uh, that, that's probably the main difference. And uh, so you, you get more where you want it to go uh, and you excrete much less. Now, I remember first hearing about vitamin C when I first started health writing, which is, you know, 35 years ago plus. And of course, the first name that I heard was Professor Linus Pauling, who the double Nobel laureate. And it was his sort of early work, I think, on vitamin C, correct me if I'm wrong, that really put vitamin C on the map. And yet he was ridiculed for it, wasn't he? What, what, what was the kind of backstory to history here? Well, I don't mean to oversimplify things, but it's like everything else, Liz. It's money. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Vitamin C makes nobody any money. And if you're a pharmaceutical, if you're a physician that relies on these type of things, you may not actively suppress the vitamin C, but you don't support it and you steer your patients to other things that generate income. Okay. It's you really don't have to go further than that. It's, it's <laughs> tell, tell me a business that's not ruled by money and I'll tell you that business doesn't exist. It's, it's, just, it's just the nature of the beast. Um, and 
the only way you really get a new therapy widely accepted, in my opinion, mm. and I have a legal background as well, yes, is that you find a way to have it perform an adjunctive benefit to another established expensive pharmaceutical drug. Then you, then you get it in there. Conversely, or, or similarly, and we saw this a little bit mm, about, about a year ago, and I don't, I don't know all the reasons for it, but almost overnight, IV vitamin C went from um, $15 for a 50 gram dose up to uh, multiple hundreds of dollars. It might have been $400. What? Why such a job? Well, <laughs> you got to generate money. My opinion was the FDA started realizing, and this was in the context of COVID starting out, was realizing the benefits of vitamin C, and you got to find a way to make money. So unless you find a protocol that will incorporate the vitamin C with something else, the mm -hmm. only way, and in a sense, it's good. I mean, it's good because... Now it's not it's not that expensive anymore. I don't know what happened that it went down again. I don't know all the politicking that was involved there. Yeah. But it's still better if a cancer patient uh, can get exorbitantly priced vitamin C for their cancer rather than chemotherapy. So even though a lot more money is paid than is necessary for the vitamin C, they're not being deprived of the benefits of the vitamin C. So you have, you have to deal with practicality. And practicality is nothing that doesn't generate significant money, will not be accepted, will not be embraced, and may well be actively suppressed. But yeah. if you are aware of those conditions and can find a construct so mm -hmm. that the vitamin C can be incorporated into it, and all the greedy bastards can make their money, <laughs> then the patient will benefit. Uh, dear, do you think that vitamin C is going to be more widely recognized? Do you think these high doses are going to become more standard? I mean, you mentioned the, the COVID word there, you know, presumably many more people are becoming aware of it and the benefits during the pandemic and beyond. Well, before January, I'd have said there's not much chance that. However, talk about unintended consequences. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm in no way saying COVID was good or is good. Mm -hmm. Obviously not. Mm -hmm. But very quickly, a substantial number of hospitals, starting in China, incidentally, China is, for all its defects, and I'm the one of the biggest critics you could possibly have of communist China and what they've done. What they've also done is they've been some, in my opinion, the world leaders in the clinical applications of vitamin C. So they've been giving large amounts of vitamin C to lots of different diseases intravenously for a long time. And one of the first things they did when China hit, when it hit over there was one of the vitamin C companies they documented brought in 50 tons of vitamin C powder to be working with. So the Chinese knew upfront and aren't in denial over the value of vitamin C. Yeah. So what happened then early on, and of course that started generating research generating reports then hospitals in the united states started using it to a limited degree mm -hmm. and then in my opinion what happened after two or three months was the fda wasn't paying attention and all of a sudden after three months there's a lot of people 
that new vitamin C was of substantial value and it was no longer in the in the in the vein in, in the situation where it could be as easily suppressed or as easily um, disreputed. Okay. Yeah. So uh, a lot of vitamin C started getting used uh, in, with the orthomolecular medicine news service and Dr. Andrew Saul uh, talked about vitamin C early on. And due to that, and I think due to um, a growing awareness of vitamin C sometime in February, all the vitamin C disappeared off the shelves. Really? As a I mean, I might also add all the hydrogen peroxide disappeared all on the shelf, along yeah. with all the toilet tissue and yeah. wipes and everything else. But <laughs> yeah. And you remember early on, and I, England should pay attention to this because in this regard, I don't believe they're doing nearly as well as the United States. There's still as many or more cases of COVID than ever before. Okay. We can talk about false positives and false negatives on testing, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line is there are still large amounts of people still going to the hospitals. Mm -hmm. Well, the death rate in the United States has dropped dramatically. I mean, the cases are skyrocketing, but the death rate is quite yeah. low. Not so low in England. And part of this, maybe the entirety of it, is very early on, we put out the information in the orthomolecular world, vitamin C, vitamin D, yeah. zinc, magnesium. Uh, matter of fact, when uh, President Trump had his case of COVID, uh, in addition to his Regeneron, the antibodies that he took, his doctor had him on not vitamin C, but vitamin D, uh, zinc, uh, mm -hmm. and melatonin of all things and a few other things like that. But that was really big to see that somebody as prominent as the president of the United States, whatever you think of the politics, that they were openly saying his physician was giving this supplementation, this evil supplementation, uh, and not going straight, straight to a pharmaceutical therapy. Yeah. So I really think the increased use of vitamin C and vitamin D, I'm not going to put yeah. not, vitamin D, Vitamin C and vitamin D, those two things together, and zinc, those three things together, mm. have single-handedly profoundly decreased the uh, morbidity and the mortality from COVID over the last nine months. Well, we're certainly hearing a lot more about it and, and vitamin D as well. And I guess that's a lasting legacy. You know, hopefully we will come through all of this, but we will be left with the knowledge uh, that we can better support our immune systems. I mean, I think Absolutely. a lot of people in the UK here, if you talk about vitamin C, the first thing that anybody will think of is, oh yeah, I need to take that to stop me getting a cold, you know, the common cold. What's, what is the truth in that? Is there any truth in that? Sure, uh, but the amount that you need to take is the vastly higher. Uh, see, a lot of people, you, you use the words common cold, and that's sort of, denigrates the severity of the condition. The common cold kills a lot of older people, okay? I mean, it, uh, yeah. it, it, it's, a, it's a horrible, overwhelmingly high titer viral infection. And in order to kill all that virus, uh, you don't need one or two or three grams of vitamin C, you need 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 grams of vitamin C. So uh, if, you did, uh, if you didn't have the IV, but you have the liposome and the, and the regular oral C available, just take a couple grams every hour, 
and you're going to be over it in a day or two. Okay. Uh -huh. But most people, you know, they, they think, oh, 500 milligrams or, oh my God, I'm going to overdose and take a whole gram. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> if, if that, if that's your approach, you'll probably have a little, feel a little less achy and feel a little bit better, but you're not going to come close to taking the amount of antioxidant donation of electrons to the pro-oxidant uh, electron depleting effect mm -hmm. of the virus. Got you. Interestingly, you mentioned that word overdose. Let's talk about that. How safe are these very, very high doses that you're talking about compared to the average RDA? Well, let me put it this way. Vitamin C is the only agent, drug, nutrient, supplement, however you want to categorize it, the only thing for which there has never been established a toxic level. Okay. There is no L, there is no LD50 of vitamin C. Okay. You, you cannot take enough vitamin C to kill yourself, much less make yourself sick. You can take enough to have diarrhea, but that's a different story entirely. And that has nothing to do with vitamin C toxicity. That just has to do with stimulating fluid inside your colon. And to make what might seem to be a ridiculous comparison, but very accurate nevertheless, is what would be the ultimate manifestation, clinical manifestation of severe toxicity? Death. <laughs> well, guess what? If you're a crazy person that has a water drinking obsession uh, and you're in a psychiatric unit and you get a hold of a couple gallons of water and you drink them in an hour, you're going to get cerebral edema, have convulsions and die. All you did was take water, yet yeah. you still managed to give yourself enough toxicity to kill yourself. It's not a perfect example, but it is also an important thing because, in fact, um, what do they say? Uh, solution, uh, wait, uh, dilution is the solution to pollution. <laughs> so, you know, if anything that's toxic, if you take a little bit of it and over a long enough period of time, you're okay. And truly, just about everything other than vitamin C is toxic. Some things a lot more toxic than others, mm. but um, things that can be extremely toxic at one level are highly beneficial at other levels. So, uh, well, you know, a good example too is, for example, if if let's say you could put heat in a quantity. You have, I have I have a pound of heat here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, if I release this pound of heat over twelve hours on a wintry day, I'm gonna feel good and comfortable and warm. What if I release all of that heat in five minutes? I'm gonna burn myself to death. So yeah. everything has to do with rate of delivery and that sort of thing as well. Mm -hmm. Really, really interesting. And in terms of mood and emotional support, is there a role for vitamin C? We've talked a lot about the physicality of it as a nutrient. Well, vitamin C, you have to remember vitamin C affects everything. As I mentioned when we started out, it gets everywhere in the body uh, and it profoundly affects psychological and psychiatric disorders, uh, mood, depression. All of that, all of that is due to increased oxidative stress of a certain concentration with a certain array of biomolecules in a certain location. And if you can deliver enough antioxidant capacity to the right oxidized biomolecules in the right location, you can get stabilization of nearly every condition, improvement of many, 
and complete reversal and cure of a few. Mm. It is just an, an extraordinary, an extraordinary thing. And I know that you're working on other supplements as well. I mean, obviously vitamin C is, is front of mind, what we're talking about here. But I read that you're working on a new book about the dangers of calcium supplements. Well, I already wrote that book. It's oh, called you wrote Death it? By, I wrote that book. It's called Death by Calcium. And Death by I, Calcium. That sounds I, a bit dramatic. <laughs> actually, I use that title because it is dramatic, but there's not the tiniest bit of exaggeration there. Okay? Calcium, iron, and copper are what I call the three toxic nutrients. You absolutely need them in relatively small amounts for life. Mm -hmm. And they're the three primary factors in provoking cell death and total organism death. So it's the true, what we were just talking about, toxicity uh, at one level, total benefit at another level. Mm -hmm. um, I will say, if you want to give my email address to people after at the end of the show, I will uh, uh, and have them mentioned in the email uh, you mentioned death by calcium. I'll send out, I'll send out the book as a free ebook. And people can see That's this information. Amazing. Thank you so much. We'll definitely put that in our resources. Thank you. I'll put myself on the list too. <laughs> because it's all there. This is, I got to say this too, though, of all the books I've written, that's probably the best solidly, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're all, they're all solidly grounded in good science, but the death by calcium is overwhelmingly well grounded in science. And all I can tell you is with the rarest of circumstances, what you need are optimal levels of vitamin D, and that mm -hmm. regulates you getting the appropriate amount of calcium absorption. Yeah. Any form of calcium supplementation is toxic, okay? Wow. The primary role of calcium is in pathology, and the higher the calcium level gets inside the cell, the sicker the cell, and the greater chance of any particular malady occurring. And it's all the interventions that reduce intracellular calcium level that cause improvement. And what reduces intracellular calcium? Vitamin C, vitamin D, magnesium, and vitamin K. Those are the big four supplements. Not the only ones that are good, but I say for people who have a very limited budget and want to know yes. what should I invest most in, yes. vitamin C, vitamin D, magnesium and vitamin K. All four of those as monotherapies have been shown to decrease your chance of death from anything. That's because it's affecting all the cells in the body and it's because all diseases are characterized by increased intracellular oxidative stress, which is always caused by increased intracellular calcium. So this is important because I think you probably realize, and maybe you've been taking it yourself, calcium is probably singularly the number one, two, or three supplement on the planet still. Mm. And it's the most toxic. Well, uh, I mean, I, 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 I eat a lot of dairy products, so I always consider myself, you know, and, and I do a lot of weight resistance exercises for my bones, and I take a lot of vitamin D too. So I haven't actually supplemented with calcium, but presumably okay. we're okay to have calcium rich foods in our diet. Yes, but not to excess. No. And there no, should no, be some restraint showed there. Yeah. Um, but there are other things you do. You do your coronary artery calcium score. And I mean, if you have any calcium at all in your coronary artery, you're taking in too much calcium. That, that test should be zero. 
Okay. That is and when and when you when you have an elevated count, it means it's not only depositing in the coronary artery, it's depositing throughout the body. And the higher that count is, the higher your chance of death from all causes. And that is really now being talked about in the UK as being one of the most important tests for predicting coronary heart disease. And that we shouldn't be talking about cholesterol and blood fats. We should be looking at these calcium score. Right. But the point I would add to that is what I just said. It's not just your chance of death from coronary disease, which is true. Yes. It's your chance of death from anything because it reflects if it's elevated, then you have elevated calcium everywhere throughout your body. And that is going to make you prone toward all diseases, in particular cancer. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Dr. Stevie, we are going to have to come back, I think, and revisit some of these because every time I talk to you, it just opens up a whole other area of knowledge and interest uh, and discussion points. But I think fundamentally, the the discussion that we've had on vitamin C and just raising it, I think, up from its kind of almost Cinderella status. It's almost as if it's been the overlooked nutrient and bringing it right up to date, certainly with liposomal technology and, and obviously forefront in the pandemic and helping our immune system. It's, it's fascinating. Is it something, before we go, I, I'm a mother of five, is it something that's safe for all ages? Should I be giving it to my children as well? I gave it to my two-year-old girl and my one third of a pound puppy. Oh my goodness, so, everybody. So yes, yes, yes. <laughs> See, what, what, what the liposome itself mm. is made of phosphatidylcholine, which in itself is a beneficial supplement and is good yeah. for repairing the cell membranes throughout the body. So there's, there's nothing toxic in it. Yeah. It's all positive, including the payload. <laughs> Excellent. I, it got to the point where yeah. I'd, I'd put a packet of the Live On Labs or Altrian inside yeah. a little tiny cup of yogurt that my little girl would like. And it was kind of funny after she did that for a while. It's not like it improved the taste, I don't think, but uh, yeah. I'd give her some yogurt and she'd say, oh, my vitamin C, vitamin C. <laughs> so, so I had to make sure that I added the packet to her little yogurt before I gave it to her. Well, that's a really good tip. Thank you very much for sharing. And thank you very much for sharing your time today. It's so fascinating. And we will, of course, put all the details in our notes that go with this podcast, because I think there'll be a lot of people who want to follow up on all the things that you've said. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank Great you. talking to you as always, Liz. Thank you. And that is it for today's episode. As always, you will find the links and resources mentioned on lizellwellbeing.com. There you can sign up for the free weekly newsletter packed with delicious and nutritious recipes, lots of them just bursting with vitamin D and C. Huge thanks to all of you who've left such lovely reviews. It really does help others to find the show, especially on iTunes. If you have a moment to leave a star rating and perhaps even a review, that would be so much appreciated. So until the next time we chat, go well. Bye-bye. Lizelle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Lizelle, with production by Amaryllis Earl and Harry Trevithick at Heart Dialogue. With thanks to my producer, Ellie Smith, guest booker, Millie de la Morinière, and assistant researcher, Martha Comford. 
Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-S. L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. 